Welcome back to Healing Choices, conversations on addiction and recovery. Addiction is an equal opportunity destroyer. It can affect anyone regardless of age, race, gender, or socioeconomic status. However, members of vulnerable populations are more likely to develop a substance use disorder and other mental health issues due to a variety of social and environmental factors. Veterans are one of these populations. In fact, 30% of active duty and reserve duty military personnel deployed in Iraq and Afghanistan have a mental health condition, according to the National Council for Behavioral Health. Less than half of these estimated 730,000 veterans will get the mental health treatment they need to survive and thrive after returning from service. In this episode, we discuss the mental health needs of the veteran community and how we can address these needs with informed and compassionate care. Well, hello there. This is Lori Feaster. I am the clinical director at the Council on Recovery. And today we are talking about veterans and substance abuse. I have two staff members that are specialized folks in this field. So um, there's David Sunday and Viola Chavez. David, would you introduce yourself, please? Sure. Good morning, everyone. Uh, my name is David Sunday. I'm the outreach coordinator and veteran liaison here at the Council on Recovery. I'm an Air Force veteran and also, ironically, um, celebrating seven years sober this week. Glad to be here with you guys. Viola. Yes, um, I'm Viola. I'm a licensed clinical social worker and I'm a therapist in our Center for Recovering Families. I have had the privilege to work directly with veteran veterans for six years through the VA previously before coming to the council. I also have specialization around suicide prevention, very specifically with the veteran population and training in dialectical behavior therapy, which is a type of treatment used to help individuals with improving relationships, managing emotions and tolerating distress and stressful situations. Well, I'm glad to have you both here as you both make big impacts in the services that we do at the council. So let me start with uh, David in the sense of when you think of uh, the veterans, what kind of mental health conditions do you see coming in? So I think veterans struggle with a multitude of mental health conditions, uh, traumatic brain injury, um, post-traumatic stress disorder, and uh, um, along with various substance abuse-related disorders. Um, on top of that, I think the statistics are one in five veterans struggle with a mental health um, or substance abuse disorder. So mixed with uh, veterans that are combat veterans um, and also non-wartime vets. So I'll ask that same question to you, Viola, as you see clients coming in, what are you seeing? Uh, similarly to what David expressed, uh, a lot of veterans may have a history of uh, trauma. And so that trauma may have happened in the military and it also may predate their military service so that it, any trauma experienced in the military gets compounded. That trauma can be combat related, but it can also be just by the, the experience of being in the military and what that culture looks like for someone who might have already been traumatized in other areas in their home life. Uh, so with all of these things kind of playing in, you're going to see veterans that struggle with depression, with anxiety, with substance use, um, and a lot of times 
suicide shows up, especially with veterans recently separated from the military, thinking about how their identity has completely changed and really kind of being at a loss with what to know, what to do with everything that's going on with them. Uh, so that's often what we see. And so with that, it sounds like trauma is a commonality. Do you see anything else that's common among the veteran population? In terms of other uh, mental health related issues, there is also thinking about how they cope. So substance use often plays a role in how they've coped. Thinking about when they're in the military, how that culture is normalized around alcohol and drugs. And so thinking about how young these guys and girls are when they join the military, they're learning coping skills that are revolving around substances at a very early age. And so when they leave the military, they often may not have developed other coping skills and they revert to substance use and then it becomes problematic. Um, and just like a military family and just like substance use, it's not just the one person that's affected, it's the entire family. And so thinking about how that may affect a veteran in terms of partners, in terms of parents and siblings, and in terms of children, all of these people are impacted by the struggles uh, of depression, anxiety, and trauma. Dave, what's your experience around that? Um, did you see the same? Do you do you experience the same as you were a vet and or are a vet, I guess I should say, and that you're now seeing vets coming through the council? So just to piggyback off of what Viola said, I, I think what the military is really good at, I, so I, I, I come from a, a history of childhood trauma. I think that I had some stability in my life when I uh, join the military. And what the military is really good at doing is breaking us down and building us back up as a union. I think one of the challenges is, though, then when we leave the military, um, there, there not being um, a lot of resources for how I go back to not being a part of that unit anymore. So I think that moving back into civilian life when I'm no longer a part of the of my flight or my platoon or, or those things that the military taught me that were positives in my life. And now I feel like I get out and there's a whole culture. There's a, there's a whole other, like I, when I'm in the military, I literally do my shopping on the base. Like there's a whole other world that is, that is in a military culture. Right. And so um, when I'm separated from that culture and I'm back out into the civilian world, it's very new and it's very scary. And I don't have the other people that I have grown to rely on. Um, I know that for myself, um, so I was stationed in Oklahoma, and my home was in Pennsylvania. So those those men weren't even accessible to me anymore. I leave them completely. It's not like there. It's not like leaving a job where I still have the same friends and same. I leave everything that I've known and move back to my home of origin or where my family is when I leave the military. And so I'm leaving an entire state and I, I don't have a connection with those men anymore to rely on anymore. And so I think that that sense then of isolation, right, uh, of no longer being connected to the people that I called my brothers and my friends um, and, and being back um, alone. And, and then, you know, for me, I had had a history of, of drinking, uh, prior to my military use, and then heavily through my through my military career, and then what am I left with? My alcoholism, right? And I turned to it even more so than I had been 
when I was in the military. What you said about isolation really hits home, especially with the disease of addiction and right now with COVID. Um, it would make sense that why we're seeing so many folks. Um, so, and then that kind of goes to that question. We are seeing people, um, but why do so few veterans get treatment? What's, what's happening with that, Viola or David? I think there's a lot of stigma in general about asking for help. And when I think about the conditioning, the, the training that that veterans receive when they're active in the military, it, they often are, you know, putting the unit above themselves. And so they need to show up strong and there can be nothing wrong with them. And so that habit of not speaking what they might need becomes entrenched in who they are. And it's harder to ask for help because it might, reflect failure of some kind, failure of their unit, failure of themselves, failure in general. And so that will keep them silent sometimes. I totally agree. I think that Viola hit on it uh, before is that we're soldiers, right? We don't need help. Like, and, and when we do, we turn to the other brethren, right? And so if those other brethren are just as much involved in the drinking culture as us, uh, where is there to turn when we need help? We don't want to, I don't want to turn around and tell somebody that I look up to that I have a problem with my mental health because I'm not supposed to, I'm not supposed to be weak, right? The military taught us that we're strong and we're soldiers and we need to overcome and adapt. That's, that's the role of a military man. And so for me to ask for help, what, what does that even mean? I, I can't ask for help. I'm strong and I'm going to get through this. I'm going to make it, make it through this on my own. It's my job to do that, right? So I think that it's, it's so hard to reach out for help and to, to ask for some, somebody to, to lift you up, and especially when we're talking about, I think that there's a huge gap in between, um, you know, still in the veteran community in celebrating um, drinking with people that um, formerly have had mental health issues. Um, you know, I know it in, I, I know it in my own life, right? It's not good. I, I suffer with PTSD myself and, um, I know how, how it's increased when I put a beer or, or a bottle of whiskey in my hand. So, um, I, I think it's still that culture of, um, the same as a military culture. It's right. Like we drink, that's what we do. We're soldiers. So aside from that, what other barriers um, do you think veterans face with their mental health? Viola? Sometimes I think they don't even know where to go or where to start. Mm -hmm. And so that, that's the hardest part, right? Maybe they know I do need help, but then they don't know the next step. They don't know who to reach out to, what might be the safe place to go. And so the idea is to make these resources accessible to veterans, and that's through various means so that we can let them know we're here because they may not know what's available to them. They may be moving to a new city or a state that they've never lived in before, so they don't necessarily know all of the resources that are available to them. And I think sometimes that's also a barrier. Mm -hmm. um, I think I'd first like to just touch very briefly on uh, in my own and anybody that's in recovery's journey is that recovery is not about getting clean from drugs and alcohol, right? It's about creating a better life that we no longer need to use. And so 
that's kind of my conversation with a lot of the veterans that I work with. And it's, it can be scary. I know it's scary for me. It's like, what do you mean? I, I, I can't go to a barbecue and not drink, or I can't go to a concert or a football game and not have a beer anymore. What does that even mean? Right. Um, and so as I've grown in my sobriety, um, that's become a blessing instead of what I felt was a curse at first, um, because things are more beautiful and I remember them and I'm there and I'm present. I'm present for my family and for my kids. And so I think absolutely, especially, you know, that when we, when we, uh, when we think about just the men, I'll talk about, I can speak, I guess, more in a male culture, right? About football and barbecue. Um, we live in the great state of Texas, right? And so, um, what does that mean when there's no longer alcohol involved in that? So Viola, um, what does treatment look like uh, when veterans are coming in for our services at the center? That's a great question, Lori. So they'll start with an assessment and then from there, meeting the veteran wherever they're at, we will provide appropriate referrals. Sometimes that might look solely like case management or getting those basic needs taken care of, shelter, food, employment. That stuff needs to be established first in order to provide stability to be able to tackle some of the more pressing mental health issues that would include addressing substance use, depression or anxiety. And so when we can get them stabilized and get them to have some sense of coping skills, we can then begin to offer specific therapies, whether that looks like our intensive outpatient program for substance use, or if it's something with an evidence-based therapy, such as cognitive behavioral therapy, or some other uh, trauma-focused therapy, such as cognitive processing therapy, so that we can then be able to address those needs from a therapeutic lens using some evidence-based treatment that lasts a period of time. And once they've completed that, they can transition to another level of care that will allow them to continue developing ongoing support and skills needed to live, like David said, their best life moving forward. What do we, what do we need to be looking for as a family member? It's a great question. I think some of the best thing a family member can do is check in with their veteran and ask them how they're doing because it normalizes the ability to talk about whether or not something's wrong. So a family member can look for changes in personality, changes in sleep, changes in diet, things that let them know something might be there that they're struggling with. So a family member can absolutely check in with the veteran to see, hey, what's going on? How can I help you? And being direct and clear. And then also reaching out to resources that they may know of to help them get services for their veteran, for their loved one. And also thinking about how this is impacting themselves because the family members are also dealing with someone who may have been gone for a long time. And so they're going through a period of readjustment as well. So it's always helpful to think about how they might also benefit from therapeutic services or support as everyone in the family is growing and transitioning or maybe in struggle. You mentioned earlier, Viola, that you had your hand in uh, suicide awareness when you were at the VA. Can you talk a little bit about what to look for, out for? Yes. I think one thing that a loved one really may want to pay attention to is if their behavior has changed. If a veteran all of a sudden starts talking differently about 
where they see themselves, whether they are talking about death more often, or if a family member observes the veteran may be researching thoughts about how to kill themselves. So thinking about what are they seeing that looks different in the veteran population. And the most important question for that family member to do is ask directly, are you thinking of suicide or are you thinking of ending your life? Because that clear question normalizes what they might be experiencing and gives that person permission to talk about it. The most direct thing to do is speak directly to it and then from there get them care. If there's concerns for immediate safety, the veteran crisis line is available 24 seven and can get veterans connected to care in their area as soon as possible. And it's also a way to ensure that the veterans stay safe if they are in imminent risk. Wow, I appreciate that. That's a really scary subject, I think, for most people that aren't dealing with clinical issues every day. David, do you have anything else to add? Um, so I want to touch on what Viola said. So the council is actually not only servicing veterans, but their family through families through this grant. Um, so we also are servicing veterans regardless of discharge status. Um, 20% of veterans leave the service without an honorable discharge. Some of these men and women have, have had long service careers and for one reason or another um, have had somewhat of a, of a hiccup. And, and a lot of times these are um, because of their the mental health uh, diagnosis that they might have and they're discharged from the military with a discharge other than honorable. That's been a really great um, resource because there's not a lot of agencies out there that are servicing these veterans that leave with general discharges other than honorable dishonorable discharges there's there's really little little resources for them so council's really been honored to step up and uh and to service those veterans as well so and i i also want to piggyback off of um uh what viola said and just make sure that we're giving out the veteran crisis line 1-800-273-8255 for any any mental health crisis um, and that'll connect you straight with the houston va so viola how about you any last thoughts about the subject of veterans and getting help i think one of the most important things i want veterans to know is that we are here for them and we will take the care and time needed to give them the services that will best meet their needs and the hardest step is the first step which is asking and we're here when they're ready thank you so much thank you both this podcast is sponsored by the council on recovery Houston's largest nonprofit provider of prevention, education, outpatient treatment, and recovery services. For more information on the Council's work, you can visit www.councilonrecovery.org and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. If you or your loved one needs help with an addiction or co-occurring disorder, call 713-914-0556 to schedule a screening or assessment. You know someone who needs us.